0: Okay, good evening, thank you for coming. Jack is giving out sheets. Do not be intimidated by the sheets. We'll go through it together, we'll break down. If you don't feel comfortable having one, that's fine too. I want to begin, first of all, by thanking our sponsor for this evening. Tonight's class is sponsored in loving memory of AMJ J. Hittery by the Hittery Family. So thank you, Antiskele Mitzvot. And I want to remind everybody that this is the beginning of a Tuesday night series. So I'll be going for three weeks, and then Rabbi Mizrahi, and then Rabbi Azinkat, so please, put it on your calendar for the next couple of weeks. So, tonight I wanted to discuss the title of the class is Prayer in Times of Trouble, Why Tehillim and What Am I Saying? And the reason I chose the topic is particularly because the last number of months we've all been steeped in Tefilah as we watch what is unfolding in Eretz Israel, and Tehillim is the go-to sefer, not just over the last four months, but in general, whenever there's problem, there's an issue, we're praying for the sick, we're always turning towards Tehillim. I want to understand why, why is that the book of choice, why do we choose Tehillim, what is it about, what is it about Tehillim that makes it the book of choice? Stand so the phone could hear me, alright, I'd like to walk around, but (laughs) alright. And second, Once we have an understanding of what tilim is all about, I wanted to take some time over the next couple of weeks to jump into some of the more popular mizmorim and unpack them. Because we say them, but as we know, which is always the case in tefillah and really anything I do, when I understand what I'm saying and what I'm doing, it has that much more meaning. So what, what do the words mean and what does it mean as it rises above the page? So I wanted to start, I did give out a source sheet. I am gonna kind of base it in the sources, but we'll, we'll jump back and forth. I will read so nobody has to feel like they're on the spot. And if there are any questions at any point, feel free to interrupt me. I deal with it all day long. So that's the way we'll run it. All right, so what is Sefer Tihimi? So there's a very, Interesting introduction to the book Ma'am Lo'ez. Ma'am Lo'ez is a set of books that is on all of Tanakh and it breaks it down by Pasuk, and there's a lot of commentary on each of the Pisukim. So the introduction to Sefer Ma'am Lo'ez on Tehillim writes as follows, and I chose it because I think it's a beautiful piece Sefer Atehillim, hu has Sefer Sheliva et Am Yisrael Bechol HaTekufot. Sefer Tehillim is a book that has escorted the Jewish people throughout all times and places. In it, we find consolation for the difficult times and the times of darkness, and we also find in it celebration and light for the times that we are. Happy. David HaMelech said to Hilim and wrote to Hilim as he was running away from his enemies in caves and corners of Israel that we visit as tourist sites. David HaMelech was sitting in those caves and crevices writing the words that today we use to give voice to how we are feeling. He is the ultimate author, as we will see. And all of the times throughout history, as we were experiencing the roller coaster of what it means to be a Jew throughout history, Tehillim, as I mentioned, acted as the mouthpiece for the Jewish people. Shekhen David Amelech Alava Shalom Hayas Shaliah Sibura Amiti Shalami Seal Be Murato. David Amelech was the ultimate cantor, the ultimate hazan for the Jewish people. Betzmimut in his pureness, in his righteousness, Bishivron libo when his heart was broken, ubibakashat or a shem, but when he was asking Hashem to help him. tikva Out of his hope and his belief in the salvation of Hashem. And when he wrote the book, he was connecting not only what was happening at the time, but in mind, he was connecting the future emotions of the Jewish people with his pen. And just as David HaMelech never gave up, when he was broken, and he was certain that the words of Shemuel the Navi would come true in terms of the kingship, so to the Jewish people should never give up. And in Tehillim, we find all of these beautiful words. I think if you take a minute to reflect on what we just read, it's a fascinating piece. David HaMelech was the ultimate hazan for the Jewish people. When you read Tehillim, you are essentially reading the journal of David HaMelech. When you read all the Piraquim in the Nuns, as he's facing a rebellion from his son Absalom. And he's talking about the despair of Achitophel. Achitophel was who to David? Achitophel was one of his major advisors. And what happens? He changes teams. And he's the one who gave Avshalom the advice to sleep with the, with the, the Pilagshim of David Amelech to show that he was conquered. Imagine the disappointment. And the broken heart of David HaMelech as he looks to his best friend and advisor who stabbed him in the back when he needed him the most. Have we not all had times where we were disappointed in someone and we don't have somehow a voice to put words to the way that we're feeling? That was David HaMelech. David HaMelech is going out to war. What are the feelings, the emotions of a man who's going out to war? It might be the very last time he hugs his kids. What are the emotions that I have and how do I put words to it? At the same time, there are celebrations that David has, that he writes about. When I'm celebrating, what are the words for celebration that are appropriate within the realm of halacha? Tehillim has given us voice to be able to find the words to pin down our emotions as we navigate this roller coaster of Yahadut. And by the way, the Jewish calendar is riddled with an emotional roller coaster. Right? You have Yom Azikharon, which this year will particularly be extra difficult. And with the flip of a switch, Yom Asmaut. I have the Omid, which originally was a time of revelry that was superimposed upon it morning and I'm, I'm navigating this, these conflicting emotions. How do I do that? So Sefer Tehilim gives us voice. Now a couple of things that are on point to know in terms of the book. Authorship. Who wrote Sefer Tahilim? Okay, so most people say W. HaMilef and it's true, but it was not only W. HaMilef. So the Gemara, Maseche Baba, Dale, writes that there were actually multiple authors of Sefer Tehillim. So it says, David katav Sefer Tehillim Al Yideh Asara zekhenim. There were actually 10 or 11 people involved in penning the book. Who are they? Adam Harishon, so Adam, the first man. Al Yideh Malki so Malkitzedek, who you know from the time of Abraham ayude Avraham, Avraham wrote some chapters, Moshe, Ayudeh Heman, who was one of the scribes of the time, Ayudeh Yidutun, the name of a man. Ayude Asaf, right, Mizmor, right, that's a name that you're saying, and also the three sons of Korach, right, that's, not the words of the person writing it. That's the word. The name of the person who's actually writing it. And the Rashi there, I'm not going to read it inside, gives you some of examples of the Mizborim that were written by each of these people. So David HaMelech, although he is the primary and the majority author, is not the only author of the book. There are multiple authors to Tehillim. In terms of the format of the book, there are five books in Sefer Tehillim. Right? So you have Yom Mishon, Yom Shani. Right? It's, it's broken up, so to speak, into five books. And there are 150 Mizmorim. Right? The last five of them are the Hallelujahs that we say every single day in the Pisukeh de Zimrah. The Gemara there writes that David's favorite Mizmorim, he would open and end with the same word. Can anybody give me an example of a chapter of Tehillim that opens and closes with the same phrase? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so hallelujah, is good. Okay, you said it. Yes, the last Pasukah of ashre is not really the last Pasukah of ashre. It was drawn to it from another one, which we could discuss, but there are multiple Examples of the ones that were well, most beloved to him, as shown by the poetry that goes into it. Open and close with the same word, which may be one of the reasons why the hallelujahs are chosen in Pesuket de Zimra. It, there's also what to say based on Tosafor here, which seems to imply that the first pedic opens and closes with the same word, which based on the way we have it today is not the case. And therefore, it could be that the way we have it today, it's broken up a little bit differently than originally written by David HaMelech, which is a conversation in and of itself. Okay, in terms of the background of the book, a couple of important points. Or a couple of words that are important. So I'm, I'm on the top of the second page where it says background. I just want to get some words here because as we read the Lismorim, it's going to be important because some of these words that we can't translate don't actually have translations that are a reference to something. So I'm going to read for you the Gemara. It says, shirot she'amar David keneged amaran. There's an argument, as always there is in Judaism, about anything, whether or not when David HaMelch wrote the Tehillim, the chapters, did he write them for himself, did he write them for his people, or was there a combination of both? It seems to be there's a combination of both. When we jump into the first pedek, you'll actually see that come to life. But it seems to be David Melech. in some cases was writing on behalf of himself and in some cases on behalf of the people. Yachid Atzmo When it's in the singular form he wrote it for himself. HaAmoorot Rabim When it's in the plural form he Zibur It's for the people. Nitzuach V'Nigun leatin Lavo When he says Lam Right? He's writing it on something for the future. Maskil, right? Maskil. When you see the word maskil, there was a scribe or a translator involved. When it says le David When it says David it means that he had Ruach HaKodesh and then he wrote it. When it says le David it means he wrote it. And then he got Ruach right? So there are words here that are important to know. By the way, what does the word Lam Natsayach mean? To the conductor. To the conductor because tehilim was often accompanied by music. music. So Lam Natsayach was a cue to the conductor, right? It's like the, what does he do? With the, like that type of thing? It was a cue to the conductor to accompany it with music. Where primarily were Tehillim said on a daily basis? What does that mean, the Dukhan? Steps. Which steps are we referring to? Okay, so the Bet HaMikdash had the, the outer courtyard, which let's say was from this stage to the front row, and then from the front row to the back was the actual building, or the, the, not the building, the back section. There were 15 rounded steps going from the courtyard to the inner courtyard. And the Levi'im would stand on those steps and they would sing a song every single day. When you do the Mithashir Shel Yom, right? That was the song that was sung on the steps on that day. Parallel to those 15 steps, we have the 15 shiril ma'alots, right? There are 15 of those parallel to each of the 15 steps. Okay, I'm going to skip a little bit in terms of the rest of the hakdama, and I'm just going to answer one halakha question, and then we'll jump into the first mizmur. People often ask, can you say tehillim at night? And can you say tehillim on Shabbat? So tehillim at night. Anybody want to suggest an answer to the question? Okay, so we, yeah. Okay so, uh, now we're a little, okay. so, Tehillim at night is a problem. And I'll get to that after midnight in a second. And the reason for that is a little bit Kabbalistically based, but I'll explain it anyways. And that is the nighttime is a time of judgment, a t- time of deen, right? He said, home at night, because there's judgment. And Torah shebichtav, right, meaning text, just the straight pesukim is in the realm of judgment, whatever that means. And therefore, we do not call upon judgment by learning that at a time of judgment. <coughs> Again, whatever you want to do with that. After chatzot, which is not always 12 o'clock, but after... Midnight, whenever that is, it would be allowed because you now entered into a new arena, so to so speak. Ah, so if there if there is an emergency situation, Right, which is why I generally spec, if you have one of the part of one of those Tehillim chains and you have a pedic, you shouldn't save it for the night, you should say it in the day. However, if there's an emergency, Bar Minan, there was a very bad accident and you just got the information and in it's night time, we would override that for the sake of saying the Tehillim. On Shabbat, it would be allowed because there's no deen on Shabbat. So Friday night and Saturday, you can say Tehillim. Good. Yes, because again, there's no, there's no dean on Shabbat and therefore you would be able to say it. And Yom Tov as well, would be the same. So, Yom Tov at night, you'd be able to because there's no, there's no deen. Okay, any, any questions about the format, the book, the background of Tehillim? Judah. What about other parts of Allah? Can you read those at night? So it, so it should only be if you're learning it with commentary. If you fold into the learning Torah al Peh, you're going to learn Rashi, Ramban, whatever. Then yes, but to just do Pshat would be would be not based on that idea. So I don't know. I don't know. I know that Chacham writes about it, and that's a Swaradi custom. I don't know what the Ashkenazim do. Um, there was one other point I wanted to make and I forgot what it was, but I will swing back around when I do remember. Um, oh, so I wanted to ask, so when somebody's sick, we go to what, what? what's that all about? What's that all about? Jack? Okay, so that's a great point and we'll actually see it in this first mis So. David Ahmed had a very difficult life, right? His son rebelled, he lost a kid, he was run after by Shaul, right? He had a difficult, he was a warrior, he couldn't build a Bethlehem because there was so much blood on his head. Right? David had a very difficult life, so if there's anybody that understands sorrow and despair, he is the person, and again, that's one of the reasons why when he gives voice to our emotions, that's what we are connecting to. But how does it work, so to speak, that we pray for the sick with the healing? It's not fixed. The problem is I think people think it's fixed. It's that you're connected to Hashem by reading these words and then you hope you have this person in mind that's not well in order to have a judgment on them. Okay, so you said something very important there which I want to harp on and that is it's not a... There's no magic formula embedded in this thing where I just read Tehillim and things happen, right? And that's, that's true about everything that we believe in Yahadut, right? There's no magic formulas. I don't put on red strings and then I have good luck. I don't put keys in bread and then I have good luck. That's not how this works, right? There's no amulets or charms. It's about fostering, strengthening my relationship with boreolam, and in that, building and moving forward. When I'm saying Tehillim, if I'm just reading words on a page that's very nice but there's no magical formula, the point is, A, I should understand what I'm saying. B, I should recognize that I am connecting to Dagen HaMelef and the sorrow that he felt. C, have in mind the person who is now in sorrow and in the merit of the Torah that is being learned in my saying of the Tehillim, which means more than just reading words on a page, this person should have the z'chut of being healed, right? It's not, and I'm gonna say something now that might be a little bit whatever, but the the healing chains that go around, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan, because I find that people just read them thinking that they check the box, and that's not as valuable as understanding what you're learning, reading, saying, or doing something else in the merit of this person's as opposed to just checking a box. I find sometimes that it's, I checked my box for the day, which is not, it's not how it works. It's a, it's a, it's a good thing in that you're recognizing it. It's not a, right. But, that, but that's why I'm here, because I want to take that and I want to take it to the next level. Celeste, hold on, Celeste, and then I go ahead. Yeah. I do think it's valuable to say the words in English. I would tell you that about Tefillah also. I would tell you that about a Tefillah also. I find, and again, certainly in the educational realm, Tefillah is a lost art. People do not know what they are saying. They're reading words on a page that have absolutely no concept. I'd rather you read it in English and know what you're saying, do a, ch- a chapter a week in English get it and then move on to the next chapter. It's not it's, it's, it's What's not diminishing? You say it's not diminishing. Right. I'm, I'm saying it, think it's okay. the opposite. I think it's enhancing my understand. Many of us go through our whole lives reading words on a page three times a day. We have absolutely no idea what we said, what we spoke about with God three times a day, every day for a hundred years. It's a very sad thought when you think about it, right? You would never have a conversation with someone just reading words that somebody gives. I here, say this. What am I saying? What am I? I'm talking to the other person. What is it? I want to know what I'm saying. We don't do that. So I agree with you. Understanding that... I, I can agree. I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Understanding that it's not a magic elixir. Like no such a, thing. No such thing. So why why not open the head and just say what you have to say right? it, rather than... So there's nothing precluding me from doing that or precluding me from saying any words of prayer to HaKadosh Baruch The point of the Tehillim again is because very often we're at a loss for words and how to express the emotions that we are feeling at the moment. So we turn to the ultimate composer David, who again has experienced sorrow and revelry in ways that we can't imagine and put words to how we are feeling that we cannot. Therefore, it's the book of choice, right? Again, not to preclude approaching Hashem and speaking my heart. There's no, there's no reason for that not to happen, which again, to go back to what Celeste said, same thing with Tifilah. The filah was formulated because without it, people wouldn't necessarily know what to say or how to say it. That's not to the exclusion of you adding within halakhan in the right time your own words to hakadosh Hu. Right? I have a person in relationship with them I should be able to speak to him based on how I'm feeling. And that's not only okay, but encouraged. But Hold on, I was just going to say? Frida and then Jed. Frida, go ahead. Go ahead. A structure. Yes. Like a, like a, um, a game plan to follow so that we know what we're saying has an effect. It's not just like you said. Yes. Yes, agreed. And I would tell you and I've I've, I've tested this on children, but um, I would tell you if I challenged you to write your own tefillah, 90% of what you had to say is already covered. You may just not know it because, not you saying, one may just not know it because he or she does not understand what they're saying. Frida. two questions. One want to hold question. What you say to me, if you say the name Hashem, are you allowed to repeat that chapter? Yes. In a row or again? As long as you're saying the whole pasu, yes. Well, prayer is a bit aha. If I'm saying a bit hard, I can't repeat it multiple times because there's no reason to be saying a bit multiple times. This is Pesukim. So I can say it as long as I'm reading it at least each pasuk in its entirety. And then the authorship and the Sibullah specifically for chapter 119, is that also the way that we wrote that? It? So it seems to be not. seems to be not. And 119 goes in the letter of the Aleph in order of the Aleph Bet, which is its own concept that when you do something in Aleph Bet order or Talif to or, or to Aleph order, it has also a certain uh, power or ability because of the fact that it's giving organization to the thoughts. Kufiyat is always the one people don't want in the, in the healing chain. Um doesn't necessarily seem to be that way. Could be, could be, but not necessarily, right? Somewhere in the pays it says, and so ended David's authorship, but we know that he did the hallelujah, so that's not exactly the case. So hard to say whether or not 119 is him, but not necessarily. Yes. Obviously. Yes. So not him. Okay. Okay. Either w either w when the wrote it, or he was chased, or he writing, or other things about it they'll and they'll say, Oh, it's good to read or it's not good to read. And if you use a similar book often you understand what the chapter is about, it's still okay to read it in Hebrew, but you don't understand each word, but understand the concept of the website. Yes. So Again, I think the goal is not to eliminate this recitation of something in Hebrew, but to move to English for a time so I understand it and then move back as, at at least, in the general gist of things. I don't Yes, something something always has more power when it's said in the original language, right? I could say that about anything. There's always something lost in translation. Uh, And I would say that from English to another language also, right? There's always something to, saying something in its original language. Okay, Michael, and then I wanna to jump to the first, and he's more go ahead. So, in addition to being like something that you uh, think about, a vertical connection through time, and say, because doesn't some of the power of taking me, even if you don't know exactly what he's saying, is you tend to say it in groups together, are they, uh, there's something about being on the same page with others. Not that you couldn't just chant mindless words together. Right i not saying that, but I think that, there is some, that there's something about that, that formula or that commonality of doing it together. That so, so, yes, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily point to the significance of helium. because I could have everybody together saying, anyway, first off, but Baba But this is both. This is both, correct, yes. Yes, yes, I would agree with that statement that there certainly is power in numbers. That's why we have Separate conversation, but yes. Okay. So the first chapter I want to read, which I think is the one we've been hitting most often over the last four months, and that is? Okay, so, which is said every day after the second Ashre. It's on page 95 in the Sidur. Do, do you want to a Sidurim? Should I give it out or should I just read from here? I'm gonna read it from here. Okay, Eli's pushing me along. Okay, so. Now I'm gonna read you the first line and someone is gonna raise their hand and tell me exactly what's happening because we talked about it. Lam tzeyach mizmor le David. Okay, so lam tzeyach to the conductor. What's mizmor le David, what's happening? <laughs> okay, but what's mizmor le David? What do we say happens when it says Mismor le David? Okay, so he he wrote it, and then he got to Recha it, based on how this is working. But bottom line is, this is a Mizmol that David is writing. Now there is a Machloket here, whether or not David wrote this for his soldiers going out to battle, or the soldiers wrote it for David as he led them out to battle. For the sake of keeping this easier, We're gonna go with David wrote this on behalf of his soldiers. Which is why A, that has, that's the first mismor we're reading today, where we are literally out of war. So we're reading this Mizmur because it is discussing what one might be thinking, i.e. David al as he takes on the challenges of war. And B, also why it's read during difficult times, because battle, It's not always a physical battle, right? Sometimes it's a medical battle. Sometimes it's a spiritual battle. Sometimes it's a relationship battle, right? So this mismor is iconic for someone who is going through a difficult battle in their life. Jack, this is chapter 20. Thank you for asking. Go ahead. That's what we said. Oh. Yes, that's the sentence. If he needed to, right? He needed the inspiration, or he had the inspiration beforehand. Okay. Ya'ancha Adonai biyom sarah, Hashem Elohe Yaakov. Who's my translator tonight? Ya'ancha Adonai biyom sarah. Hashem should answer us in the time of sorrow. No, we're not using Google Translate or phones. Isagebha means to raise you up. It's a very uncommon word. It's only used 20 times in the entire Tanakh. Shem Elohei Yaakov, the name of the God of Yaakov. Okay, so first of all, Yancha Hashem B'yom Hashem should answer you in a time of sorrow, has more significance than just what the words actually mean. If David is writing it on behalf of his soldiers, he understands something about his soldiers, which is also probably true of the soldiers today. And that is, not all of them were necessarily the most religious people or had a connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And this might very well be the first time they are reaching out to God. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm Jewish, not connected. But now I'm going out to battle, no atheist in a foxhole, I'm calling out to God for the first time. David is saying as a prayer for his soldiers, even though this might be the first time you're introducing yourself to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore it might be that there's no merit for you to be answered, Hashem should override it. You should be answered because you're calling out to Him in a time of pain, even though you don't have a necessarily relationship. Yisageb Hashem should raise you up. Shem Elohei Yaakov, the name of the God of Yaakov. Why does he choose Yaakov, not Abraham or Ishaq? Or Moshe or, huh? He went to war against Yitzav. But also, you said it before. Of all of the Avot, Yaakov suffered the most, right? He fought with his brother, he ran away, he was cheated by Lavan, his daughter was raped, his son was sold into slavery, his wife died, right? He's got a difficult life. So if there's any character that God has raised up despite all of his despair, it's Yaakov. And the God who saw the sorrow of Yaakov should see the sorrow of the men going out into battle now. And he should answer you even though it's the first time you're calling upon him. Now that pasuk means a lot more to me than it did five minutes ago. I hope. Otherwise, they cancel in next week's class. (laughs) Yishlach Ezrecha Mikodesh Umitzion No, 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 no phones. We gotta got do it here. kodesh umitzion sadeka. He should send his help from kodesh umitzion and from sion is sadeka. He should support you. This is a an essential line to our philosophy today. First of all, what is Kodesh? The Kodesh is the betamidash, And what's Zion? Yerushalayim. What is Yerushalayim symbolic of? Success, money. Yishlach is Hashem should send you help from the betamidash, And He should support you from Zion, meaning your soldiers, your money, your resources, your weapons, your soldiers should also help you. What philosophy is being encompassed in this pasuk? That when the Jewish people fight, we fight on two fronts. A, Borei we pray, and we should be sent help from the Tifilah that we're saying, from Kodesh. And B, yeah, we gotta pick up guns and we gotta fight. I mean, you're not gonna sit there and pray all day and expect that as this rocket's falling on your head, they're just gonna magically disappear. So you have to fight and you have to pray. And by the way, there's a difference between Ezra and Sa'ad. Ezra is primary help and Sa'ad is secondary support. So the primary help should come from Bore Olam and the secondary should come from the warriors. But again, that's the philosophy. There's a famous story, I'm sure I told it once before, of a Jew who went to West Point. That's a Jew who went to West Point and he was taking a military strategy class. The class essentially was taking apart all of the wars in modern history and explaining the strategy of the victors of war. And he takes the entire course and he notices that at no point in time did the instructor use any of the Israeli wars. 48, 67, 73 not mentioned. Jewish kid very upset. So he's deciding whether or not after the course is over, he should approach the instructor, which is not something you do in West Point, right? This is not the whatever, right? It's not something you do in West Point. You don't question the teacher, but he decides that if he doesn't do it, he's not gonna be able to live with himself as a Jew. And he questions the instructor. And he knocks on his office door And then he says, I'm sorry, but I need to ask you a question. You went through a whole military strategy course and you completely ignored the existence of the state of Israel and the wars that we won. So the instructor says to him, he says, first of all, we don't do that here, and there's gonna be consequences. Second thing is, he opens up the bottom left drawer of his desk, and he takes out a Sidur, and a Chumash, and a koracha. He says, you should know that I'm also Jewish. And then he takes out a stack of files and puts it on the table. He says, in these files is every document I was able to collect about every single war in Israeli history. None of it makes sense. They should not have won any war that they fought in 67, 48, or 73. They shouldn't have won. If you want to ask me my professional opinion, they should have lost every war. I can't explain God in the classroom. And that's why I didn't teach it. And that's exactly what we're saying. We have to understand that we fight on two fronts. Right? And there's actually a halacha that says that Sorry, there's a hasuk there's that gives the people who are allowed to go home from war, right? Don't have to fight. They are the guy who just built a house and didn't live in it, the guy who just got married and didn't, wasn't with his wife for a year, and the guy who just planted a vineyard but did not get produce. And then on top of it, it says, anybody who's afraid. Well, we're all afraid, right? So we're all exempt. So the Gemara says, no, what is it referring to? It's referring to someone who talks between putting on a Sefilin Shalyad and a Sefilin Shorosh, he should be afraid that he's going to be killed in war. Really? Of, of all, of all the things, things I should be afraid of violating that might get me killed in war, that's not one I would have put in my top 50. Right? violated Shabbat. Viola- okay, tell me, give me the big ones that I violated, and then, okay. That's what it is. So there's a beautiful perush that writes as follows. It's the same concept. My hand... My arm is symbolic of the physical. I'm going out there and I'm pulling the trigger and I'm, and, and I'm killing the enemy. My mind is symbolic of tefillah, spiritual pursuits. Anybody who makes a disconnect between the fact that he's got to pick up a gun and the fact that he's got to pray to HaKadosh Baruch then you have a problem going into this battle. Then you miss the point. Because if you think that only through the might of your own hands you're going to win, you're wrong. And if you think and only praying to HaGadosh Baruch and not picking up a gun, you're also wrong. They need to come hand in hand. That guy, he should be afraid. Because he doesn't get how the Jewish people fight. That's the second pasuk. How David talking about the sanctuary? this time. David Amel, No, David Amel, So, But David knows, right, because he asked for his son building so he knows that the building is coming that central location whether it's the Mishkan or the Bet should come from there right at the time there's the Mishkan right the Mishkan was in Shiloh for 369 years before they built. <speaking in Hebrew> Who's got me covered on translation? So Yizkor <speaking in Hebrew> Kol hashem should remember all of your Korban minhas. Ve'olatecha your korban olot, What does yidasheneh mean? Right, should be like ashes, meaning it should be as though it was accepted, right? What does the ashes represent? That the korban was accepted, right? Hashem came down and accepted. So all of your tefillot in going into battle and or or of all of the korbanot that you offered in preparation for going out to battle, Hashem should have accepted them. And in that merit, you should go in and feel that you're going to be successful. What is selah? selah is not really a word. Selah is more of an expression. It's more of a, it's a musical note or an expression of... Music. Yeah, it has a musical value. Selah, they translated it as forever, but that's not really a translation. It's more of a musical note. It's like we say lam naseh, in the conductor. Selah was something that meant some kind of musical interlude or something like that. The next pasuk is very emotional. <speaking in Hebrew> Hashem should give you all of your heart's desires and all of your counsel should be, or all of your questions should be fulfilled. When it says, Hashem should give you all of your heart's desires, I'll never forget. We had here, maybe it was 10 years ago, Colonel Gru- uh Gruber, he was here. He actually runs a base on the border of Gaza, right? I'm supposed to go there, but it's closed now for obvious reasons. And he said, that what we don't recognize about the soldiers, or what we only focus on when we talk about the soldiers is the battle that they fight when they're in battle, right? They're in Gaza now, we're thinking about them fighting Gaza, we're thinking about all the booby trap buildings, all those things. What we don't realize is how much burden the soldiers carry when they're done, right? Enemy or not, taking another man's life is not easy, right? There's a, there's a beautiful pasuk in the beginning of Hashat Baishlah, right? It says David was afraid and he was paralyzed with fear. So sorry. So she asks, what's the difference? Why did you tell me he was afraid twice? So it says he was afraid that he might be killed. He was paralyzed with fear over the fact that he might have to kill someone else. Meaning, the thought of pulling the trigger on another man's life was more fear-inspiring than the fact that he might be killed. So you have these soldiers, who again, you know, we're rooting them on, you know, do what you gotta do, but these people have to live the rest of their lives knowing that they murdered people. And that's not easy. Again, enemy or not, huh? They get PTSD. They get PTSD, for sure. They get PTSD from what they've seen, and they get PTSD from the fact that, again, mm-hmm. again, I'm not getting political now, but civilian, uh, there was a cartoon which, which was horrifying a few weeks ago when the IDF accidentally killed the three hostages that came out waving. So there was a cartoon of like a faded image of the three guys who were killed saying essentially in one way or another, I forgive you. Then there was an image of one of the soldiers crying, saying, You know, Please, I'm sorry. And then there was a snickering Yahya um, Sanwad in the background saying, It worked. Meaning the psychological, work. but the, the point being, imagine the soldiers who killed those men. Sin- for so for for I'm, I'm, of course, I'm saying, they're but kol shekin, kol shekin, friendly fire, right? It's a, it's a very that. difficult... Right, so when it says, what he means to say is, when you return from war, your heart should be shalem, meaning Hashem should give you the strength not just to deal with the atrocities of war, but the atrocities of the post-war experience. And your heart should be complete. What does that mean? I'm going to move quickly because we're running out of time. Right, we we are rejoicing in salvation. And we are raising up the name of Hashem. Hashem should answer... All of your tefillot. Again, referencing the fact that as we're in war, don't forget, Boreolam. Right? It's very easy to think when you're victorious and you're wearing a gun slung around your shoulder, Koki Look what I was able to do. Don't forget that at the end of the day, the gun is operated in a certain way. Now I know. And again, this is proof for the fact that David is writing it because it's in the singular. Now I know, that Hashem wants me to continue being His appointed. Meaning for every battle we win, it is, you know, proof, so to speak, that Hashem wants me to continue being your leader. Ya mi And Hashem has given us salvation with His right hand, right? And that's a reference to, of course, Pesach, right? Hashem took us out with His right hand. So just as Hashem gave us salvation during Pesach with His right hand, so too, the same. Who's translating? Good. There, there are horses and chariots, and we have Boreolam. Again, same, same concept. You mean to no, Yamin is referring to the right hand. I'm saying that the imagery that we get when we talk about the right hand as being salvation usually takes us back to Pesach where he carried us out with his right hand. Right, hand so I am, right, I'm saying, but when, in terms of when you come to Yeshua, Right, Yeshua and Yamin usually draws upon the Pesach uh, illustration. Yes, the Koach Hazaka. They have fallen, right, and are beaten, and we stand up and we stand tall, which again is a double entendre. Not just that we have survived the war. Physically, but we have also survived the war in terms of our morale. Right? When we say, Am Yisrael Hai, we, right? we don't just mean that we should physically be here. We mean we should be proud, and we should be strong, and we should be invested, and we should remember what our mission is. And he's telling his soldiers, we're physically here, but more than we are physically here, we are spiritually, morally, ethically here. And then the last pasuk, according to the Mepharshim, is what they would sing on the way home from battle. Adonai Hoshia, Hashem has given us salvation. HaMelech Ya'aninu B'yom Koreno. And He should continue to answer us as we continue to call upon Him because, unfortunately, we know that this is not going to be the last time we go out to battle, whether physical or otherwise. And we recognize now that our salvation is coming from Borei So there's a lot packed into a very short mizmor that is very appropriate for today for obvious reasons and again is very appropriate when one is struggling with a difficult situation in life and is looking to put words to their